are ready. Uh, we are ready. Um, hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday evening. It's six o two in Rotterdam, and what time is it in Nairobi? It is seven o two. Ah, how time mm -hmm. works! Perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm going to do a quick introduction because we're on radio and they can't see us, but we can see each other. Uh, I'm on Zoom. Yep. yep. <laughs> I'm on Zoom right now um, with mm -hmm. Wakianda, who is a woman, an artist, and a fashion designer based in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, Wakianda and I met online last night. We've never met in yep. person, but we met online last night during an event um, for Nairobi Design Week. And... Mm -hmm. I was late uh, because I <laughs> didn't understand an it. hour late, a literal hour late, which is not coincidentally <laughs> proportionate to the time difference that I misunderstood. But yep. but I did catch the end of the discussion, uh, thankfully. And um, Wakianda, you had um, been a part of the of the discussion, and you brought um, sort of the concept of sustainability and no waste. Um, mm -hmm. in design practices and artist practices. And this is something that I'm really interested in um, with Unpacking Light, thinking about textiles and materials and the way we deal with material freight. Mm -hmm. So I just, actually, it's still going on right now. Um, yep. I had to pause it. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt it. Sadly. Sadly, we were just uh, on a live stream <laughs> with another Nairobi Design Week event called What Design Can Do, which is a Dutch mm -hmm. a team of Dutch designers. On the No Waste Challenge. On the No Waste Challenge. Yeah, yep. they're organizing a challenge that has a deadline, no? Yes, in, yeah, they're requesting people to join in and participate. Yeah, and they're mm -hmm. they were speaking to Nairobi-based designers and entrepreneurs about sustainable projects, and mm -hmm. when I was watching this, I got quite excited to talk to you, actually, Wakianda, because I really wanted I was sort of um, desperate to hear a, from a maker about um, what it means in their making practice to think about mm -hmm. no waste, sustainability, and sustainability, yeah. mm -hmm. and so I thought maybe we could have a conversation starting with that. Maybe you can give more of an introduction of yourself. What are you studying right now? Um, I am Wakanda again, like she said, and I'm based in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, I'm currently, I am a multidisciplinary artist and a fashion designer, but I'm also in school uh, at Kenyatta University in Nairobi, Kenya, taking BA in fashion design and marketing. Yeah. So um, before I was a designer, can, can I proceed? I would love for you. So before I was a designer, I've always been an artist since far back that I can remember. I think I started when I was, I remember as a toddler, uh, my mom used to say that she would find me scribbling things on paper and then when she would enter I would hide them under the bed and she was curious what am I doing and then that's when she found me uh, she looked through those papers and realized I was drawing but it's like I was afraid of her uh, for her to actually see what I'm doing so that's when she started encouraging me to you know pursue my art practice so I always you know loved art before I actually did fashion 
And um, when I joined high school, I actually managed to um, do um, a subject on art and design. So it made me progress further on information about this art. And um, yeah, that's when after I finished high school, I didn't actually go, I didn't actually immediately join uh, fashion design. I think at that time I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. All I, will, all I, I knew is um, I wanted to pursue um, anything to do with art. So <laughs> I ended up doing aeronautical engineering. So. What kind of engineering? Yeah. Aeronautical. Aeronautical engineering. Wow. Amazing. Yes. I was, I, I passed my sciences. That's why. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, to cut the long story short, I dropped it and I was back to square zero. So um, I talked to a few, one of my, some directors in Kenyatta University who are like, why don't you just go and do fashion? And in my, the only thought that was in my head was, you know what, if it works out, cool. If it doesn't, I'm going to drop it. That's what I told myself. Mm. So when it, and I went in the first month, I was like, where have you been all my life? And it actually found me. I didn't even look for it. So <laughs> That's what you said to me earlier today. Fashion found me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I realized they, they coordinate, they co-marry fashion and art. So there's no way I can separate the two. So it, it just, it made, me, it made it even interesting, the fact that I can uh, get different knowledge from both fields and then somehow create amazing pieces. And why do you think they suggested fashion in the first place? Were you working with textile a lot in your artwork? So what happened is before I went to do aeronautical, I was called by job uh, to go to do fashion. So usually in Kenya, when you are uh, in high school, when you're about to finish high school, they give us a uh, uh, slips of list of universities that you want to join and what courses you want to do. So usually at that time, you're not really advised on how these courses will implement. So usually you'll end up just choosing any university and any course at that time. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I just picked it blindly because the next thing I know is because I really I did well in high school. So they ended up calling me job calls you when you pass mm -hmm. so they called me to do fashion design but when I saw it's fashion design at the time I wasn't I don't know I never imagined myself doing fashion so I I, I opted to go and do aeronautical engineering mm -hmm. so so hey, universe is funny it just takes you back to <laughs> what you were supposed to do <laughs> so the one thing that I rejected I, I found myself back to it and taking it you know yeah it didn't so, take no for an answer <laughs> no yeah so how how far are you along in your studies then currently i am in my last year my final year mm -hmm. but unfortunately covid has made it um <laughs> a long process yes it's longer than we expected because i was supposed to finish in 2020 but here we are 2021 still yeah yeah, still in so the So far, pandemic. so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in how um, how your studies right now currently uh, are responding to, or if they're responding to at all, questions mm -hmm. of uh, sustainability in the fashion industry. Because um, 
you and mm-hmm. I spoke a little bit about uh, earlier today about how the fashion mm-hmm. industry is really responsible for so much of um, waste production, not only in terms of uh, the disposable fast fashion industry, but also in terms of pollution and the ways that dyes pollute rivers in the local areas that factories mm-hmm. are in. And it is mm-hmm. sort of all tangled into how capitalism has accelerated um, climate crises. And I wonder if your if your your education is responding to that or if it's something that's more coming from your own impetus. Um, so based on my what the education is actually teaching us and also what I am observing and also what I have experienced uh, is um, there's a lot of, you know, um, waste that is happening. So if, for instance, if you look at a tailor, for instance, so a tailor gets a client who wants to her or him to create a dress. So there's getting the fabric, cutting of the fabric, you cut, you draft, you draft the, the patterns for the design then you cut the fabric and then you're ready to sew. So what you realize is, first of all, there's those pieces, pieces of fabric that are waste. So they become waste. So what do people do? They either end up here in Kenya, they either end up being thrown in the bin, uh, others being burnt. Um, so you see, this that's extra waste. If, you, if they burn it, that means um, it, it that's pollution in the air, right? Because mm-hmm. um, those fabrics, most of those fabrics are made out of, you know, plastics and uh, materials that are not biodegradable, biodegradable. So they end up affecting the environment. If mm-hmm. you check um, the fabrics that are actually um, thrown in the landfills, so they end up uh, degrading the environment because at the end of the day, they're not biodegradable. They won't decompose. Um, if you check second-hand clothes that come in because they come in a lot and that's like one of the number one factors that are uh, that are making our fashion industry in Kenya decline because they're cheap so when they come in uh, in Kenya we call them tumba so when they come in most of them uh, you can find yourself buying too much clothes that you probably don't need so they're filled in your closet so the time you want to clear up your closet mm. again you throw them away or you're giving them again out for an to charity so when they're thrown away that's another waste yeah so um there's also you know things like jeans when you think about how jeans are made um there's a lot of wastage of water when they're when they're being produced when you think about dyes you know that's that's um, chemicals that are always thrown to you know the rivers and lakes. You know there's there's just so much problem factors that are not con- that are contributing to the degradation of the environment, and they're all caused by the fashion industry and even here in Kenya, even worldwide, right? So you find that l- let's think about the natural uh, cycle. So for instance, a butterfly it moves from an egg to a lover to a pupa and then to an adult right um but when you think about how the fashion industry has been set it's such that there's the raw materials there's the uh, yarn production there's the actual uh, garment construction and then that's it so there's there's never they didn't think beyond what happens when these are 
items need to be disposed. Yeah. So there, there isn't like the end cycle. There isn't an end cycle of how it's going to be recycled or what will happen after we are done with that. So that's some of the uh, key factors we've been learning and also experiencing in the education scene, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's, uh, I love this um mm-hmm. analog of the but or the metaphor of the butterfly <laughs> i think it's really useful no because i think it is points it's really succinct and pointing to exactly why like um profit-based economies don't think yeah. about anything past the sale it's true yeah. look something as simple as the body lotion you're applying currently so you bought it you you love the container but what happens with those containers yeah they're thrown away where do they where do they go they're plastics where do, it's it's still the same conversations that were happening in the in the live stream that we have just yeah. <laughs> we literally had to pause yeah they're talking on a, but you know them they're talking on a broader aspect of pollution in general uh, but as you're fixating it in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. So when you ask yourself, where do these plastics go? Uh, you either throw them away, you either burn them. But what you, uh, there, there hasn't been, you know, any more emphasis on better, safe uh, disposal of these uh, things. Mm-hmm. Are they recycled? Can they be reused, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in with the lineage of materials and where materials come mm-hmm. from they yeah. as an artist i i think and we can even talk about these scales in a smaller <laughs> industries you know you can think about artists producing artworks exhibitions sculptures anything that takes up space or takes up material or even mm-hmm. arguably digital work where you're using energy and you're using equipment um yeah. eventually uh there is waste that's produced there, especially in exhibition mm-hmm. making. Um, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's been quite interesting in Corona times to think about, uh, for me at least, to think about all the exhibitions that aren't happening or maybe are just mm-hmm. happening for mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. viewing or for limited viewing and the mm-hmm. amount of material that um, artists and museums and other institutions are constantly sort of using or consuming Mm -hmm. and then disposing of uh, just for the sake of kind of keeping up the the appearance of newness and Mm -hmm. that relates to the fashion industry too these cycles of newness that um that that we rely on and and coming from the netherlands um i think that it's very easy to forget where or to not think about where your garbage goes you throw it in the garbage can exactly yeah, it was, mm-hmm. you know, there's recycling systems and there's burning systems for uh, energy production. So there's systems in place in the in the country, um, but it still isn't transparent. And I think well, it's not mm-hmm. a individual practice to think about what happens to mm-hmm. your personal things, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I like that you're saying your country actually looks through, you know, that there's measures that are done um but not quite so so in in kenya it's <laughs> it's uh, on a scale of one to ten i can actually say a two okay a two on if you think about the measures that are being taken so at least they tried to ban uh things like plastics uh paper bags that we used to use uh but you know 
plastics are still around. So yeah, I mean, they were saying. I think that one of the presenters was saying that Kenya was the sec has the most most restrictive ban on plastic bags. Mm. That's what that's something that they said in the presentation. I'm not sure if that's truly a statistic, but our pla- so, they've banned plastic bags entirely in Kenya. Yes, yes, yeah. they have. Okay. You you cannot walk around with. They don't even exist anymore. <laughs> Amazing. You know, the other day I was going through the house and I was doing chores and then I actually found one and I was like, wow, it's strange to actually find one because they're not around. You can see. Oh my God. And then if I can yeah. paint a picture of Rotterdam, honestly, there is a huge market twice a week, every week, and it's a produce market and a food mm-hmm. market and absolutely mm-hmm. everything comes in blue plastic bags. You have to sort of force wow. them not to put it in there. You're like, please, no bag, no bag, no bag. Um, it's everywhere here. And then it litters the streets, of course. And then there's a whole sanitation system that, yeah, exactly, that picks up these bags. And you do wonder where it goes. What? And I have to say that um, I was trying to do a little bit of research before this conversation to think, and also especially mm-hmm. during the live stream, thinking, ah, where, yeah. where yeah. is, the, is yeah. the Netherlands dealing with their plastic? And apparently it's being recycled. However, I know that mm-hmm. in other countries I've lived in, like the United States, there's a mm-hmm. huge export industry of shipping waste to other places to be recycled or to be dealt with. I think I read something like that, a country that actually, you know, literally imports those plastics and then they go and use them to create other stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do really want to talk about your own practice because, uh, mm-hmm. Wakianda, actually, I will say out loud right now that she has an Instagram. It's at W A under dash K I A N D A. Um, please follow her or check her out. I'm also going to post it online when this uh, when this broadcast goes archived. But um, mm-hmm. you have a really sculptural fashion practice. You make these sort of armatures that extend from from the head and bodices that are parts mm-hmm. of dresses and that reach the floor. I thought maybe we could just talk a little bit about um, how you think of your design practice maybe conceptually, it, we don't need to focus on, on sustainability here, but I am interested in sort of painting a verbal picture of, of mm-hmm. what you do. So um, when, remember when I told you when I joined uh, the fashions, when I started school, I actually didn't like it at m- that much. So when I started uh, progressing on with the lessons, that's when I actually started loving it. So I was in a class filled with students who could touch a a sewing machine, who knew everything about design. And I was there like, (laughs) and I, I I felt like a newbie, literally. So I literally had to work my ass off to be able to um, catch up and not feel like I am behind just because others have that information. Mm-hmm. So um, again, remember I was I was a visual artist right before I became a designer. So um, when I started, when you look at my creations in, in Instagram, you can they feel more artistic as opposed to and and more avant garde or wearable art as opposed to. Um, actual everyday wear yeah so um what what uh inspired some of most of those designs was the fact that you know the art the visual art in me just (laughs) i felt like i needed to introduce a little bit of my art 
self into fashion and vice versa a little bit of fashion into into art so i um i remember by the time i was starting to do fashion design most of the most of the uh, people most of the visual artists um used to ask me um most of the visual artists <laughs> um used to ask me why are so did you just shift from so are you not doing art anymore are you not a full time designer so i felt like i was in a dilemma and i was really certain mm. and then i ended and then i realized why would why would i put myself in a position where i had to choose because i was in love with both i decided i will do both because they i feel like i relate to both of them so um i started in my work it you'd feel a bit of, a little bit of fashion and also a little bit of art all together yeah um so most of the designs you're seeing on instagram are uh some of them i i was doing kenya fashion awards mm-hmm. and i was required to create uh, garments that were wearable art mm-hmm. and um it was interesting because at that time i didn't have enough money to create the pieces so all i had to do was look through um materials that are around me started recycling materials so i had papers i had plastics i had um any you know everyday material that are around you that's what i used yeah so um from straws from uh Soviets from <laughs> and it actually worked to my favor. So at the time I really didn't think through the fact that I'm actually recycling some things around me but then afterwards that's when I realized I'm actually uh doing something interesting in terms of recycling materials. So it started dawning in me how this is actually important and the fact that I'm actually practicing it it's I should be more vocal and more uh more pushing to this campaign you know and um i started now thinking towards sustainability getting more information and i feel like also being in school uh studying fashion also helped me gain enough knowledge uh on what is required of me in terms of sustainability uh, in fashion so um mm. for i i never go beyond my means when it comes to producing most of my work it's usually just anything that i can find that i that can inspire my work like for instance when you see the latest uh design especially the one that's on the poster that was actually made out of um newspapers i think i yeah. saw a process image of that in the slideshow mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I love I love what you just said I never go beyond my needs. I think that's really mm-hmm. interesting how sometimes I I have the same experience of not being able to afford or I don't not having access for some reason or another to produce mm-hmm. artwork um and so therefore making artwork from what surrounds me and that has become mm-hmm. sort of a pivotal method in my practice is collecting or looking at what surrounds me. and thinking about what i can make from what surrounds me or what is available and then it brings up all of these questions about you know what my position mm-hmm. is what i have the privilege mm-hmm. to access um mm-hmm. but it does it's really nice to hear the story about 
or this logic that you noticed after the fact that, oh, um, this is a, yeah, this is a method that, well, you're already embodying it. It doesn't mean you're not aware of it. It just means that through your conditions, you think, oh, I've totally made something out of um, material that I have access to that I don't need to buy. Mm -hmm. And it changes Mm -hmm. your perspective as a maker to understand that you need not sort of play into another economy that's not sustainable in order to create new work. I feel like after my whole process because I really struggled during that time and somehow I I realized it's during those difficult times when creating artwork as an artist that's when the pieces actually turned out really amazing so and I think at that time my mom used to phrase it as (laughs) when when things are tough that's when um, your brain starts waking up and being creative and being innovative in whatever you're doing so I I literally looked at it as turning uh, unwanted materials into beautiful things yeah yeah (laughs) your mom sounds very inspiring my strongest support system is she amazing (laughs) shout out to your mom I have some notes here about a yeah a project that mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about because you yeah. mentioned something you're working in collaboration with Natiamu and Adrian from Nairobi mm-hmm. Design Week something that involves technology and sustainability. So um, during as okay, you know any any artist or anyone who's growing, there's no way you'll tell me you're growing if you're stuck in the same area day in day out. So if if there's grown, if you're growing, then that means a little bit of change and new things will come up. So um, as a designer, um, when I was making uh, designs out of unwanted materials, I felt like I had reached a certain limit. And then as I proceeded on with getting enough knowledge and research, I started realizing that it's it's not yet enough. You know, I want to go beyond my comfort zone. So um, I started thinking about, you know, the future of, of, of fashion and I started doing research on what's happening in, in the future of fashion. And um, it's really interesting what people are doing out here in terms of coming up with innovative ways that are sustainable in fashion. So like, for instance, I don't know if you've heard about, you know, connected clothing where you know the clothing monitors your your the wearer's physical condition. Oh, so yeah. like the, like you know the clothes provide like biometric data and then it reads your heart rate, your temperature, the muscle stretch. So I was like, wow, that's that's really interesting, you know. And the people who are going all all uh, natural and finding absolute biodegradable materials like I was telling you how the university is making um, uh, sanitary towels and diapers out of uh, banana stems and you know bamboo stems Mm -hmm. and you know they're just finding materials that are completely natural and they can bed they can decompose easily if after they have uh, after their waste you know yeah and you know there are also people who are there's something also on solar power fashion and you know it's like the fiber <laughs> and the fiber is going to uh, convert sunlight energy into electric energy mm-hmm. and 
and you know when you're like when it's sunny that cloth ends up generating enough energy to charge a phone and and you're like what <laughs> you're wow. actually wearing cloth that you know like yeah, so many innovative energy. exactly but so uh, where i actually lie on is the 3d printed fashion so that actually really interested me a lot and it's what i have been working towards uh behind the scenes i haven't published anything yet officially mm-hmm. um but designers like iris van and that uh, danit peleg i hope i pronounced that right yeah so these are really amazing uh designers that i've seen who have used 3d printing uh in fashion 3d printed fashion as a way of um creating designs and somehow also still contributing not somehow also contributing to sustainability in in fashion so when i when i start the idea came during covid actually oh my god covid i told you, you problems they can it. make <laughs> no i'm telling you how problems make your brain wake up true i don't know I'm not really sure if that happens to everyone, but oh my, let me speak for myself. For sure. I think I can also join you in that. You're totally right. <laughs> yeah, COVID is a situation that has totally upside down turned my mm-hmm. methods of working around in new ways that I would never yeah. have gotten to without it. So how did it mm-hmm. change you? Mm-hmm. How did it bring you here? Um, I started wondering, you know, now after I looked through what I used to do and then I had to like literally stop and pause and realize how can I create my design such that they can accommodate a pandemic era? Because, you know, what happened after COVID came is that designers ended up dropping everything they were doing and making masks. And now um, everyone was making masks. If you came in Kenya, oh my God, every designer was... Even big, big designers that are known in Kenya yeah. were all making masks. Yeah. So, so I think I also made masks. <laughs> made some money. I also made some masks. So <laughs> See, we've, we've everyone. Yeah. yeah we all... <laughs> so so um, I feel like at that time, the only, it was like the only thing that would generate money for most designers. And I started realizing that it's because we have never been in a situation where our designs can accommodate a pandemic, any pandemic sort of era. If an emergency comes, what's going to happen? Does it mean fashion will fall? Does it mean fashion will die just because um, a pandemic is here? And for most people actually went, you know, didn't have money, went jobless, had to close down their, their jobs, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, I've, and I've, at that time, I started looking at other designers outside Kenya and what they're doing in terms of accommodating uh, fashion still in a pandemic era and uh, the designers like um, Hanifa, yes. Hanifa is a, an amazing African designer who ended up creating um, a whole runway using uh, 3D models, 3D designs. It, I wish I could actually wow. literally describe it. It was amazing. It actually got a lot of social media attention. Mm-hmm. And um, people are amazed at how, you know, in a time where it felt like it was all lost, she is just going all, you know, all, all, all she's going all in, in, in still doing 
innovative work. So, you know, in, in a pandemic era, of course, there are no runways, right? There are no fashion shows happening. Yeah. Uh, so no she decided, exactly. So she decided to, to, to uh, market her collection through a, a virtual runway. And it's not humans that are going to work on those designs. It's actually uh, 3D models. And, and you know mm. what's interesting? For 3D models to, to wear a design, the design also has to be 3D yeah. printed. Yeah. 3D, not 3D printed, sorry, but 3D designed. And that's not easy. That's uh, that's hey, That needs like really tech, <laughs> computer geek people who understand these things to actually do it. So I actually felt challenged and inspired by that. And I was like, wow. So, so, so this is, this can actually work, you know? And um, at that time I was like, huh, I think I should need to, I need to start thinking beyond uh, my comfort zone. So I remember I, I was like, I need a laptop. That's the first thing. (laughs) I didn't have one at the time. And you can imagine trying to get a laptop that's really expensive in a pandemic time. And it's not even a priority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I ended up uh, getting a laptop and doing hours and hours and weeks of drowning my mind into learning uh, all I could know about 3D. I felt like if I had that information, that information is power. It can help me progress further to 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 think even beyond that. So you've so, been self, um, self-teaching 3D rendering programs. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, my god. Yes not easy that's amazing <laughs> that is not easy at all it is not are you just you using be, youtube should... tutorials how are you doing it yeah youtube tutorials and oh you know what have you ever have you ever got yourself in a place where you are uh po- no wait you are <laughs> slowing down the video <laughs> so and you are there step by step because it's complex understanding the physics in that software and wow that's I don't amazing even know how do it. <laughs> I mean I think that fashion when I look at fashion designers real fashion designers I sew but I I, I am not mm-hmm. a designer and my mm-hmm. sister is a self-taught designer and even her mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. understanding of like the way that a fabric has a warp and a weft the way a fabric falls mm-hmm. the way you want to cut yeah. a piece so that it lays flat yeah. on the body even that mm-hmm. is complicated math in itself. Like to understand it, it to be done in like a 3D, totally computerized space is next level. No, it's literally like telling the computer to design in your way. So it's like you have to put yourself in a position where you and the computer are aligned in understanding you're like interpreting your mind into the computer it's not easy right and because you're so (laughs) you must be so used to working with your hands that it's sort of i wonder how that feels like it does it feel a little bit disembodied to be making something on a computer or did you find out Um, what your hand looks like in that space digital space so yes i you you actually said it right i am used to working with my hands but what's interesting is it starts from here. It starts from the mind. So even when I'm creating things with my hands, best believe my mind is also working. It's, that's the time you can find me and I, I'm probably 
hungry, but my brain is so wired up, fired up, working. I literally have to be told by by either my mom or anyone to be, yo, go. There's go dinner. eat something. Go and eat something first. <laughs> Otherwise, I could be there or hours on end because my brain is also working. So, but my hands also working. You're mm-hmm. all there with your mouth and the keyboard, and you're trying to. Yeah, for sure. It's... I mean, and I <laughs> yeah. think that there's also it's inevitable that your like gesture will come out in anything you make, even if it's with mm-hmm. a computer or with something mm-hmm. physical, right? Yes, um... yes. So um, after after I started getting confidence. Uh, you know, you need you need to have done it so many times to actually gotten confidence and also challenge your brain. So once I actually got the confidence to proceed on, that's when I started uh, expounding further on. I just didn't want to make the usual clothes. Remember the kind of clothes I'm wearing yeah. <laughs> when you look at my Instagram, and that's what I want to go towards. Yeah, but in a different light, yeah. where the designs can still be wearable. Yeah. to my consumers right Mm -hmm. so um i started uh expounding further into more complex designs using the softwares which oh my god still not easy so um i started thinking how i can actually produce this uh in uh, the design the complex design physically how i can produce it completely and that's when i started thinking towards 3d printing so you see Hanifa, the designer, inspired the whole doing, learning 3D modeling. But I progressed further as I looked to add towards other designers like Iris Van, who actually 3D print their designs. So I'm like, okay, so this is actually the process. So it's from the computer and then interpreting it to a 3D printer. And, and that's also complex in its own uh <laughs> Yeah. side so both so they, they both uh work hand in hand but they're also individually complex in their own ways so now after i was done i was like okay now where do i get a 3d printer are they available in kenya yeah. um I, and that's when i talked to naitiemu about it and naitiemu told me that adrian has a 3d printer and oh my god i did not even waste time i went talk to adrian we met i went to his studio he showed me how the 3d printer works we even made earrings with the 3d printer which was actually really interesting yeah Yeah. and and um started making my mind want to learn more about this process and how i can actually take advantage of this skill into my practice as a designer and also as an artist so i started thinking of using it as a new medium for 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 my my work mm-hmm. and um that's when i learned that nairobi i started doing more research and i learned that nairobi university here in kenya um offer a space called space makers where they offer free free forums for students who want to just come and learn about 3D printing and I was like wow and you know what's interesting I I used to think I'll have to export I mean to import a 3D printer for myself I learned to actually make them here using plastics so you see the recycling so they 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 take the plastic bottles that are all around and then they make uh, those plastics and create 3D printers and also make them as uh, they can use those plastics as materials to print to create with. the dis- exactly. No so I, I was like, 
so that made me even more interested because I'm also doing recycling. So I was like, wow. That's amazing. Because I was going to ask, because I do know that um, 3D printers can print 3D printers. Like if you use a 3D mm-hmm. printer, you can print your own that parts. Exactly. And then I was mm-hmm. thinking while you were talking, huh, I wonder actually what plastic you can print in and if you can use reconstituted plastic. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So are you <laughs> currently in the process of making some some new designs with 3D printing? Yes, I am. Yeah. There's a project I really had to pend it for a minute because uh, we resumed school and I had to just put it on on hold. It's a project, it's a work in progress. So hopefully uh, by the end of this year, I should have produced one or two things. You know, I'm really look, looking forward to it. Actually, I'm really excited because I feel like I can do a lot of things. And you know what's interesting? You're not only limited to to plastics. You're lim- There's so many materials that you can use when it comes to 3D printing, but you just need to know that that information. So someone actually asked me um, how 3D printing uh, is sustainable. And that was actually a really, really good question because um, I started also asking myself the same thing. And then that's when I realized that, you know, when you're 3D printing, that's additional manufacturing, right? Yeah. So that additional manufacturing reduces uh, production of craft uh, waste. So when you think about, for instance, how a normal tailor would try and cut fabric Mm -hmm. and then you think about a 3d printer you'd realize that this tailor would actually have more waste that will contribute to more environmental degradation as opposed to someone who's using uh, 3d printing there's also the reduction of emissions uh, of say things like carbon dioxide in 3d printing there isn't uh, any emission of weird uh, chemicals um so as opposed to an actual production house that is producing all sorts of uh, even fabric even dyes anything right mm-hmm. and the scraps that are you know sometimes it's those little waste from the from the from the filaments that are used to create the the, the design yeah so those scraps can actually be reused so you see there's limited waste happening yeah. and and again like we were talking about recycling of the of the bottles and all that so there's only one small negative factor still there's always that you know by product so for instance if you can't really avoid waste completely so there's always that little scrap that can't be reused but lately um, I was reading about how scientists are trying to find PHA-based filaments that are biodegradable materials that can be used in 3D printing. So you see, there's someone who's actually coming up with these things. I'm really inspired. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, we had only spoken a little bit about like a glimmer onto this, uh, onto this, and I had no idea yeah. that you, I mean, it sounds like you were not in school for a certain amount of time. And in that certain amount of time that you weren't studying, you mm-hmm. learned an entirely new practice on your own. <laughs> Yes. which is amazing. I'm quite and then Thank you say, you. "Oh yeah, now now school starts again. Now I have to put this on the side burner." I really look forward. I really hope that you post your progress of that yes. project on your yes. Instagram and share some things yes. because I would love yes. to follow that. That's yes. really exciting. Looking really forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. I did have one one last question that 
I mean, it's a bit of a complicated question. And actually, you answered it. You're going through these processes on how to respond to a no-waste practice. But the world that I live in and that we Mm -hmm. all, in a certain way, in a globalized capitalist way, live in is that Mm -hmm. um, the reality is there's always this blind spot. There's always this moment of the point Mm -hmm. of sale being the end of the story. And the extension of Mm -hmm. the story or Mm -hmm. even the backtracking of the story, where did the material come from or where will the material go? seems like it's part of Mm -hmm. your active practice and and mine too as an artist. Mm -hmm. And I guess the big question that that always comes up when I go through these these conversations with people is if we still need to get paid to do what we do or if we still need to survive in this world that is Mm -hmm. capitalist Mm -hmm. as artists... um, Mm -hmm. How do we keep doing what we're doing or what other support systems can we find um, mm-hmm. to do what we do without without ultimately yeah, producing more waste? And I don't think that mm-hmm. I have an answer to that, actually. And I'm not really posing it as a question because it's not fair. I feel like the first number one thing is to realize that responsibility is not just for an organization that is waiting to come and save the universe, or it, it starts with you, you know, it starts with every individual, just understanding, um, just as much as you take care of yourself, it is equally important for you to take care of the environment, because if you don't, it's still, the universe has a very interesting way of like, lashing uh, our, our activities, like, for instance, when you look at the floods that are happening, when you look at uh, really uh, drought that is happening for instance at the northern part of kenya when you look this there's this so much and this is just the effects of us not being responsible as human beings so uh, i feel like sometimes we are there's that excuse of uh, and so i need to make a living and how can i avoid that at the end of the day i feel like you are responsible uh for that there's there's a guy there's a man in uh, i forgot which country this is, but it's in an it's an African country. He goes around wearing paper bags in his body, and when you look at him, he looks like a scarecrow or or something. Wow. <laughs> and he's he's literally campaigning no paper bags, and then he goes around seeing anyone with a paper bag. He ex- he gives them a a more you know a better uh, biodegradable bag, and then he he takes the paper bags from them. So he literally goes around the country collecting them. And at times people used to say he was mad. He was crazy. His wife even thought he was insane. And then that's when he started getting recognition because someone was like, this person is actually putting word out there. He's taking initiative to do something about it. And I think he got recognition by the president in his country. When I look at that, when I think about that story, I'm like, it started off as something that is dumb, but he he is one in a billion <laughs> population in the world who is actually making a difference in his own way. He's, yeah. He takes, I mean, he's taking action. And I feel like it's, resp- it's the responsibility of everyone to be in that space, headspace where you are. You're taking responsibility for it because it starts with me and you. But pe- making it stick in people's minds about how important it is to have a more sustainable environment. Because at the end of the day, tomorrow, it will rain like crazy. It will flood. You'll start cursing on the world. But yet we are the same people who are killing ourselves. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for yeah. that. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's empowering to think. And sometimes you get so overwhelmed with these conversations of sustainability. And it is really refreshing to speak to you because you as an individual practitioner thinking about basically having intention in, and you're calling it also responsibility in your everyday mm-hmm. practice of of living mm-hmm. life as a designer yeah. as an artist as a thinker yeah. the way that we can maintain that responsibility and maintain that intention yeah will will eventually pay off will eventually kind of inform and and I don't want to say infect, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll uh, we'll inspire other people. Yeah, you've really inspired me today. Thank you oh, so much, Vakianda. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. me. So um, I'm going to do a send out. I'm going to call your Instagram again for those mm-hmm. who are just tuning in. It's at W-A under dash K-I-A-N-D-A. Wakianda and I met um, during Nairobi Design Week, which is going on all week to this week. It's uh, NairobiDesignWeek.com. And mm-hmm. they also launched a platform called Eat. Eat, Design, Repeat. Eat, Design, Repeat. Yeah, I was thinking about Eat, Pray, Love, the movie. Eat, Design, Repeat. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. <laughs> Eat, Design, Repeat. And Eat, Design, Repeat has um, musicians on their uh, database of talent. So I'm going to play a song to see us out. And thank you so much, Wakianda, again for joining us. Have a great night. You too, Dalek. See you. Skin tone cut, body chocolate, good girl. Like in the bedroom, you need ratchet. I long as a barrel, bit of girl. I'm on that short to get loads. Yes, I'm a wizard. I'm a fan. I'm a rogue. I'm a kidjaka. I'm a boat. Four twenty friendly. I'm a pender DC. Ten a BBW. I'm big a BBC. I just took a D, but I'm a pender DC. Una join me in touch. It's a kamaji. Steam, steam, panda. He will hug on a big aranda. Name a carry hammer. Come a gold of thunder. Connor Charlie, you need blunder. Hey, slide through. Connor G bug. Connor Bombay. Hey, what the hell is you hating for? Can't a young look gay bitches anymore? Shake their ass, baby girl, and I go. And I'm back at you, make sure me shake a flow. Ooh, check if you let switch flow. Ooh, you just have a little in a glow. Nipple letter, nipple gas in the blow. Sign it from Boba Shukula, push it a door. Jibber, I'm a beba. And I found your niece, I gave my pesa. Kill a sick, who not try to impress her. Bra. Mambo grenda mi bado na kupenda na kile utataka inshallah nitatenda na usidhani ati niko na agenda ni venye tu niko attracted kwa hiyo agenda 
What's up? What's up, man? I've been waiting for my hamosas for 20 minutes now. Look at the hamosas and the samosas. What is this, man? The time is money. Man, tranquilo, tranquilo. I tranquilo right now. Tranquilo, tranquilo. No mas. Chilling with my mamito. Mamito. Sipping on my mojito. Mojito. Can't forget my amigos. Feeling like in Mexico. Mexico. Moving like a soldado. Can't forget my sombrero. sombrero. Shout out my nigga Pablito. Pablito. Can't tell me to tranquilo. Uh, that was um, Brainchild, who is a Nairobi Days based rapper, and you can learn more about him on the Eat Design Repeat website, which you can find a link to on Nairobi Design Week website, nairobidesignweek.com. Bye, everyone. Good night.